50. Out of the 7,000 undergraduate students currently enrolled at Vanderbilt, just 50 identifies Native American, Hawaiian, Alaskan, or as a Pacific Islander. To put that in perspective, indigenous students make up less than 1% of Vanderbilt's current student population. Yet, nationally, the percentage of indigenous peoples is nearly three times that amount. So this raises the question, can Vanderbilt claim to have a diverse student body if indigenous students are continually underrepresented on campus? This is College Voices, a show about untold stories and underrepresented communities in higher education. On this episode, we explore the experience of indigenous students at Vanderbilt and what they're doing to overcome centuries of underrepresentation and indigenous erasure. I think the indigenous experience at Vanderbilt is one of constantly trying to find and establish community because indigenous undergraduate students make up 1% of the undergraduate population. That's Anna Stringer, a junior and the co-president of the Indigenous Scholars Organization. She says that Indigenous people are not only underrepresented among students, but faculty members as well. Right now, there's no like initiatives or programs in place to grow the Indigenous presence here at Vandy. We know of two Indigenous faculty out of the hundreds that are here. So in addition to having to, you know, constantly justify your existence and our initiatives, we also have to constantly find each other and then build community. ISO's other co-president is Gabby Guarna, who, like Anna, is a junior and heavily involved in Indigenous advocacy on campus. An experience that I've felt also is that being a super minority, I think is how you put it, um, like on campus is just constantly still being left out of the conversation like even when there are conversations about like different minority groups or different communities of of color it does seem to be the indigenous perspective that's always left out in addition to being significantly underrepresented at Vanderbilt indigenous students say that they constantly have to defend their native identity it's interesting to be one of at least in my experience one of the only the only identity that you have to like justify being a certain amount of it for it to be like legit. Um, And so that's also difficult sometimes. Why do you think indigenous students are expected to justify how indigenous they are? There's just this idea that you have to be, you have to look a certain way as well. You have to, I don't know, you have to have tan skin and long hair or feathers in your hair. If you're a Pacific Islander, you have to have tattoos and you have to have I don't know what people expect us to look like. I have legs on our head, I guess, at all times and always do the haka wherever we walk. Um, They just, I don't know, they don't expect people to look different than the idea that they have in their head of what a native person or Pacific Islander person looks like. So that's why I think it's, that's why I think native students and indigenous students in general have to constantly justify their identity in spaces like Vanderbilt or any PWI. Despite these challenges, both Gabby and Anna believe that Vanderbilt could create a campus that is more welcoming to Indigenous students. They say that the first step in this process is for the university to recognize that the land that it sits on was originally inhabited by Indigenous communities. In other words, they want Vanderbilt to issue a land acknowledgement statement. Here's Anna again. And a land acknowledgement in general is a statement that recognizes the original inhabitants of a space. 
um, and, and then also puts forward a commitment to working with those groups that were displaced. And it's important because like we said in the beginning of this conversation, there is indigenous erasure, a long history of colonization and the first step towards um, making wrongs right is acknowledging that this displacement happened because many people don't learn that in high school. Many people don't even know that before they come to college that people lived here before native peoples and that this is native land. In 2019, Vanderbilt student government initiated the process of adopting a land acknowledgement by passing the Indigenous Peoples Land Recognition Bill. Since then, a motion to support the land acknowledgement statement was proposed in the faculty senate. While some senators voiced support for the motion, the chancellor and other senators expressed concerns over the legal implications of such an acknowledgement. As a result, the motion was deferred for further discussion, and the issue won't be addressed for the foreseeable future. So it's been a year. Yeah, it's been a, like a little over a year now. Did you expect it to pass sooner? I think we definitely expected it to pass sooner, especially since, um, like Anna said, it came from our, our two previous co-presidents and they started this process at the beginning of last school year, so last fall. And I don't think any of us expected that we would still be doing this work um, over a year later, but Yes, we, here, we, here we are. In a conversation with the chair of the faculty senate, Dr. Catherine McTammany, Hustler staff writer Julia Tilton was told that although the faculty senate has not adopted the motion for a land acknowledgement statement, it has adopted several motions that support the creation of a more welcoming campus environment for indigenous students. For instance, the Faculty Senate has urged the university to critically examine the history of the land upon which Vanderbilt was established, and it has also suggested that the university consider establishing a physical indigenous student identity center to better support students' needs. The thing is that although these motions have been adopted by the Faculty Senate, the administration still needs to act on them. And so far, a full land acknowledgement statement has yet to be reconsidered by the Faculty Senate or the Office of the Chancellor. So, although Vanderbilt has taken a step in the right direction, it hasn't actually committed to any concrete changes. How does it make you feel to know that something that seems pretty simple to you has taken so long for the university to acknowledge? It is just frustrating and to kind of hit these roadblocks. And I think it also is just kind of emphasizing the place of, of privilege that Vanderbilt is that they can just kind of like disregard this as like oh well that's just like what a few students want like we'll get back to that in a few months and like Anna said the faculty senate is really not like they do mean well and I think that the reason that it was taken out from our understanding was because they didn't want it to fail and they wanted it to be successful they just weren't ready to do that um, but it is I don't know, it's, it's just time for them to, to recognize the students that they brought to this campus. If Vanderbilt wants to stay competitive and actually be committed to diversity and inclusion and um, acceptance as they say they are, this is a necessary step. Fortunately, a land acknowledgement bill isn't the only way to combat indigenous erasure. Gabby says that students can do a lot on their own to support the indigenous community at Vanderbilt. I think um, asking questions and being open to listening and also just being open to being wrong. And yeah, and I think also like Anna was saying, 
to just do your own research and and think critically about like the structures you grew up with and and the things that you read and that you watch and um, not only looking towards Indigenous students to educate you. But above all, Anna wants you to be aware of your surroundings and to know its history. Yeah, know whose land you're walking on. Know whose rivers you're boating in. Just be really aware of the history of the place at all times, especially here at Vanderbilt. This episode was written, recorded, and produced by Abhinav Krishnan in association with the Vanderbilt Hustler. Julia Tilton is our assistant producer, and Anna Horzen is our editor. Our graphics were made by Emery Little. All of the music in this episode was produced by BioUnit and used under a Creative Commons license. Thanks to our guests for their time and for sharing their stories. A special thanks to Professor Catherine McTammany for helping us fact check this episode. Did you like this episode? Do you have a story to tell? Message us on Instagram at College Voices or email us at collegevoices at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.